0: Well, happy Wednesday night, everybody, and welcome into the Boardwalk Hardwood floors behind the bench. Alex Ferrario subbing in for Chris Kerber, who is getting ready for the Blues game tomorrow night against the Las Vegas Golden Knights, and of course, Blues back in action against the Golden Knights. The second game of the round robin for both teams, Blues falling to the avalanche in the first game, and the Vegas Golden Knights having a comeback victory against the Dallas Stars in their first game. So that game's tomorrow night, so we thought we'll talk a little Golden Knights, we'll talk a little st louis blues heck we're going to just talk hockey for the next hour and we are excited to do so with a man who is from st louis he's grow up he grew up in st louis playing hockey he's been around the nhl the ahl and now he covers the las vegas golden knights he's the pre and post game host he's an analyst on the television side he is mike mckenna mike how the hell are you doing tonight man
1: Oh, I'm doing great. I'm just hoping that we can mix in a little bit of talk about Provell's gooey butter cake and Vest Soda.
0: Well, let me tell you, you're back in Vegas now, I know, so we got to get the St. Louis flavor back to you. And anytime we're going to talk about T-Rav's gooey butter cake and Vest Soda, I am officially invested into that bad boy.
1: (laughs) I feel like that was my whole childhood growing up. It's funny, my my wife's from upstate New York, but one of the first things that she accomplished upon moving to St. Louis was learning the family gooey butter cake recipe, so... (laughs) She's officially a St. Louisan, and, you know, I'm splitting time and being out here in Vegas, but my my St. Louis roots really do run deep.
0: Yeah, well, and look, when when, when a family member can crush, or specifically a wife or a significant other can crush making the gooey butter cake recipe, that's when you know you got the winner. Like, that's when you know it's the real thing.
1: Well, it's a prerequisite. You know, it's like going through school. If you want to get a degree, you've got to do so many courses, and that's part of it being – uh, being an honorary St. Louis, and I think you have to master that recipe. You know, you have to learn to root for the Cardinals and uh, and all the stuff that goes with it. Go to Ted Drew's, those type of things. So <laughs> it's fun- Isn't it funny if St. Louis is like all these little uh, little things that we find ourselves enjoying and smiling back on kind of in a nostalgic manner.
0: Yeah well she'll get to her she'll get her master's degree in St. Louis when she starts asking people where they went to high school right?
1: <laughs> yeah that's the final step for sure.
0: <laughs> that's the, yeah maybe that's the doctorate uh, degree that you get when you're trying to be the honorary St. Louis person. Well Mike it's great to catch up with you man and, and again uh, Mike mentioned he's in Las Vegas of course covering the Las Vegas Golden Knights on the television side. Vegas Golden Knights being the St. Louis Blues next opponent and we'll talk about that I want to get his thoughts on the St. Louis Blues as well. But Mike, let's start with this. Let's just start with the NHL bubble in a whole. I'm curious from a former NHL and AHL player to see what the NHL put together and to also see as a sports fan how Major League Baseball is going through struggles right now. Uh, what does that make you feel like when you look at the success that the NHL is having right now?
1: It's amazing to see. And really, we all looked at Phase 2, Phase 3. Can we get through this? Can the NHL players make it happen? And You saw the level of diligence before this. There were comparatively few uh, COVID scares amongst the NHL. And by the time you got to phase four and players got to the bubbles, there have not been any positive tests, which is fantastic. I think the NHL and the players union, too, coming together to work on this, did a really good, really intelligent job of factoring in all that they possibly could. Going to Canada, smart play. Uh, we've seen that they've been able to control what's happening with the virus there much better than we have in the United States, frankly. <laughs> but the, the impressive part, though, really is just the, the level of detail that the NHL has had when doing this, whether it's putting player picture of players' wives and significant others and kids and, and dogs and you know, cats in their rooms or making sure that they've got creature comforts available to them, lawn games within the bubble for a thing that really came together in such a short time frame, really they had about two weeks to nail down the details to this. By the time they decided that they were going to Edmonton and Toronto as the hub cities, I'm just amazed at how quickly it all came together and truly listening to the players, talking to them, how much they're enjoying it. You know, they, they've all said that, Hey, maybe after a month of this, we're going to get sick of it. But for right now it's got that, that summer camp feel to it, that peewee tournament feel. And, I think the players are reveling in it. It's kind of like going back to their roots and just, Focusing on hockey and having
0: fun. I've heard the comparisons to like Olympic Village, Mike, of you know having all of these things in one area and being in this bubble. You know, I've heard comparisons of like you just mentioned of being like you were growing up as a hockey player. You know, the only things you're doing are playing video games, eating, sleeping, and and then hitting the rink. But I think the more important thing that I've taken away from all of this and what the NHL has done so well, Mike, is the fact that these players feel safe. I mean, to to just uproot and leave your family for possibly two, three months. You know, the bigger factor is going to be feeling like the safety is there for these guys. And from the moment they've stepped into this bubble, the only impression I've heard from players are this thing is set up to the T.
1: Yeah, and think about that, too. If you take it out even further, you know, they feel safe there, but it's also probably the best place they could be. And that was the goal. You wanted them to feel like they were in the safest place they could possibly be, that there was no risk to their health first we're all scared. of that. I mean, there's so much. Anytime there's an unknown and you don't know what you're getting yourself into, you will be inherently apprehensive to that. Uh, it's part of the reason why there was pushback in the first place to going off for a month or two months away from your family. And you know, and credit to the PA in the league that they also took into consideration the families of players that they do they are receiving help with when it comes to groceries and other things back home. Uh, not you know basically leaving their family out to dry when it comes to that. Stuff. So. Um, it's great. It lets the players focus on playing hockey, doing what they are there to do in the first place. Um, And it's, it's really just to me, it creates some optimism amongst everybody, just amongst society that we can, We can make this happen. We just got to be diligent about what we do.
0: Well, and it it gives you the feeling, Mike, doesn't it, that that we're back to normal. And I know that's so strange to say because we are living in such an uncertain time. But seeing these guys on the ice going to practices, on television, on Zoom calls, talking about hockey, it gives you the feeling that you're back to normal, at least from the fans' perspective. I would imagine from the players' perspective, it doesn't feel that way, but at least they're back on the ice.
1: Right. And it kind of makes me circle back to something Robin Leonard had said during the, I believe, during phase three of how maybe it was phase two. I'm not sure what time frame exactly, but he said how important it really is for people to just have something that gives them that sense of normalcy. And, and we all know that that is a very shifting target, the word normal. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's funny now that Zoom calls and Zoom post-game pressers just seem commonplace and normal now. Right. I don't even think twice about it. I mean, it's it's actually even better because now I have access to these things via a portal with the league that I can watch everybody's pressers, you know. Um, But but it, it really, it's nice to have that. You know, you don't feel like you're just bunkered in with nothing to do, nothing to watch, nothing to distract you from the reality of really the pain that everybody's felt during this. In some way, we've all been affected, whether financially, whether it's the social aspect. You know, we're all feeling it somehow. Uh, As people and as humans, and it's no different for players. You know, you want your sense of purpose, and and for them, that's playing hockey. That's their solace, that's their happy place, and they've got a chance to do it. Do you know how nice it must feel to be on the ice without a mask on and without a care in the world other than trying to score and eliminate the opponent? It's great.
0: Again, we're talking with Mike McKenna, former NHL, AHL goaltender. Of course, the St. Louis native. He covers the Vegas Golden Knights on the television side, studio analyst for them. We'll talk Vegas Golden Knights in just a bit. Mike, uh, in terms of the on-ice product, what have you taken away from the NHL games? I mean, we've had round-robin games. We've had exhibition games. But watching these qualifying rounds, the physicality has been there. And I'm not sure people believed that that was actually going to show itself until the playoffs started. But from, from my perspective, and I'm curious yours, that product has shown up of playoff intensity.
1: Well, I think the physicality has actually beyond, been beyond what not just what we expected, but even beyond a regular playoff intensity level. I mean, Justin Williams and Strom fight in the first three minutes and there's blood on the ice. You know, <laughs> these are two guys that really you're not going to look to to go chuck knuckles at center of the ice. Well, it just shows the pent-up aggression and the intensity And the desire to create emotion and momentum, and you need that. You need the passion to do so. I think we've seen more of it. I think we've seen really intense games with lots of hitting. There's been a fight. There's been close quarters aggression with one another. And I don't think it really caught people within the game off guard, that much because we we'd all desired to see it so much, but there was, again, just kind of that question of, is this really going to happen? Are they <laughs> going to be able to manufacture this? That question was answered, like I said, in the first three minutes and it almost set a precedent because players are all watching this tournament. You know, they see Carolina and the Rangers having a really spirited game and it permeates throughout the league. You see it in other, I mean, Taylor Hall went after Ryan Ellis the other, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, who would ever guess that's going to happen? So um, it's been encouraging, and I think the players—it really speaks to their uh, their knowledge that they really do have to create their own emotion on the ice and manage those emotions and. Uh, it's been a lot of fun to watch so far. I'll
0: tell you the part that surprised the hell out of me, Mike, was that first exhibition game, watching Tampa and Florida getting to multiple fights in the first two periods. I'm thinking this is a tune-up game for these guys. They haven't been on the ice for nearly four months, and they are throwing bows out there already.
1: Yeah. Well, and you know, it's funny. Maybe we'll see that side. And I mean, fighting's almost lost its place in the game to a certain extent, and right, right now it feels like it has more of an importance than ever in terms of just showing that you have that passion and willingness to do what's necessary to win. It's almost like players want to get back into that mode, um, just purely on the basis of getting used to doing it again. You know, right. and, and you know, Michael Ferland fights in Vancouver. I didn't expect to see that to happen coming off of injury, coming off of uh, fighting problems with that. So um, it's just it, it's so nice to see it happening. And, and really, I think it was just a sigh of relief that. Hey, this is hockey, it's back. There isn't anybody really dipping their toe in the water. It was go time right from the beginning and, and you're seeing it now. The teams that didn't have a good first game or two, I think there's some nervousness there. Whereas the teams that have played well right from the start and have had that passion, uh they're carrying some momentum right now.
0: What do you think is that's gonna be like in the hotel, Mike? Like put your player uh hat back on for me as an NHL player after a spirited game against a team or, you know, in a best-of-five, best-of-seven series, you've built up some rivalry. But then you go back to a hotel, and next thing you know, you see the guy who you just were bad-mouthing on the ice in the elevator. Like, that can't be an easy thing for these guys.
1: (laughs) It's unique, that's for sure. (laughs) I mean, I I don't think that during the tournament you're going to see too many players sharing cocktails in the lounge from opposing teams. (laughs) Uh, You know, early on, it's funny, when they first got there, there were some uh, questionable tweets that were sent out. You know, Pasternak and Tom Wilson tweeting about each other. And you're wondering, did somebody grab each other's phones and jokingly put this out there? What's happening? That jovial nature was lost pretty quickly. And it's turned into rivalries, and it's turned into a true battle for the Stanley cup. And there's a lot of players there who are great buddies with one another. Uh, You might see it at the red line still occasionally in warmups, but I don't think that those hotels have turned into uh, a a really Olympic village type of thing where you're hanging out with one another. I think it's going to be very tribal and and teams are staying amongst themselves. Eyes on the prize and more than anything, you don't want to rock the boat. You you don't want to be the guy on your team who's seen hanging out with four of the opponents having a great time in the middle of the of the you know playing cornhole out cornhole out in the middle of the the middle of the bubble area you want to be focused you want to be with your teammates and you want to keep your eyes on the prize
0: yeah i can only imagine what a head coach like john tortorella would tell his team if he found out that the blue jackets are playing with the maple Leafs. you know playing a little one-on-one basketball in between games against those two teams right
1: yeah let's go play some pickup ball or play some ping pong yeah, I, I don't think torts would be would be too big on that.
0: That no. wouldn't go well No, it would not. He's Mike McKenna. He is joining us here on Behind the Bench, presented by Boardwalk Hardwood Floors. I'm Alex Ferrari. We're going to take a quick break. The Blues opponent tomorrow night, the Vegas Golden Knights. Nobody knows that team better than Mike McKenna. He covers them. We'll talk about that next here on 101 ESPN. Back in here on a Wednesday night with Mike McKenna, the St. Louis product, the NHL goaltender, AHL goaltender, now a studio analyst for the Las Vegas Golden Knights, the Blues opponent tomorrow night. We're back here on Behind the Bench, presented by Boardwalk Hardwood Floors. Mike, uh, I'm curious, before we get into the on-ice product, uh, you've been covering this team now for a couple of years as a studio analyst. Uh, what have you taken away from just the product of hockey in Vegas? Because I was there in January in the regular season and watched that soul out crowd just lose their mind over hockey players making a comeback in a game that to be honest, a lot of people didn't expect to have success, but right now hockey is 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 very fruitful in Vegas, it feels like.
1: Oh, 100%. It is a growing hockey market. It's a true hockey market now. You know, the team just purchased American League Hockey League American Hockey League franchise that's going to be coming into town next season, the Henderson Silver Knights. We went from having zero professional hockey team to now having two teams in the two best leagues in the world, which is fantastic. I mean, I was in Las Vegas from 2005 to 2007 as an ECHL player with the Las Vegas Wranglers, and we were a niche market. You know, we averaged, I believe, something over 5,000 fans, very dedicated and truly very versed in hockey. There's a lot of people in Las Vegas from areas that, are, that have exposure to hockey before, so it's not necessarily a completely foreign thing to a lot of people. But there was kind of questions when the team came. Where does this fit in? Do I, as a fan, want to show up and spend 41 nights a year watching hockey? And by a lot of things happening at the right time, the team was very good. Uh, It's also very real that the team really was a bonding uh, point around the mass shooting that happened at Mandalay Bay. Mm -hmm. And as tragic as that was, it does factor into the history of the Golden Knights as people... All coming together and coalescing to this team as vegas born truly something that people in las vegas could call their own they'd never had that you know they'd never had pro sports that were strictly vegas and it wasn't a relocation it was an expansion team of something they could call their own and youth hockey soaring here it's, it's, it's amazing to see and you know coming from what some people would call a non-traditional market in St. Louis, which I always took exception to. Thank you. (laughs) Um, I, I I see Vegas in something of a similar place. You know, there's kids playing it left and right. People are passionate about it. And youth hockey, as it's still growing in St. Louis, is growing in Vegas. And ultimately, that's great. The more people that enjoy this game... The better,
0: yeah. Well, a hundred percent. And you know, right now, Mike, I think so many people, not just in Vegas but around the country and in Canada, watching the Vegas Golden Knights because if there's a team that has as good of a shot to win the Stanley Cup as anybody, look, I know this is an open field, everyone's healthy, but you know the way that Vegas had wrapped up the regular season and what they did at the trade deadline. Really puts this team in a position to be a favorite for the Stanley Cup championship this year. I've heard so many people, hockey analysts, you know, hockey experts, former hockey players, talk about how much, how, how built up this Vegas Golden Knights team truly is. Oh, I totally
1: agree with you. And, you know, what's funny about this coming off the pause is that we've all said it's a wide open field, anybody can win. And it is true, no question about it. But I, I have been a little bit surprised at some of the haves and have nots to a certain extent. You know, uh, there are teams, you can tell, that don't seem like they're quite at the level of some of the truly elite teams in the league, uh, whether it's what they have on paper as a lineup or their experience factor. You know, with St. Louis, it's both. With Vegas, it's both. With Washington, it's both. They have all those intangibles. Uh, The teams like, let's say, the Colorado Avalanche, can they pull it off? Do they have the experience? It's a new team to it. But the Vegas Golden Knights are, they're stacked, man. There's just no weakness in this lineup and being an analyst for the team you get to really understand the ins and outs of a franchise and all season long i thought this team needed a puck moving D. all season long i thought they needed an upgrade uh in the goalie tandem and mm-hmm. notice i don't say starter and backup in the tandem uh, which i think is key to today's success in the nhl they needed those they went out and got both of them at the trade deadline they got alex martinez they got robin lenner and they also picked up Nick Cousins, who's added really good depth to this team, um, some grit, some speed, and he, he's very versatile and he factors in. There's really no weakness. And I look at what St. Louis accomplished last year by rolling four lines and being incredibly deep and heavy. You see a lot of that in Vegas right now. There, there isn't a weakness. The third line has finally been solidified. They've got six excellent defensemen. They have eight excellent defenses, for that matter. And goaltending now with Robin Leonard and Marc-Andre Fleury, um, it's a pretty strong position, you know. Much less, much like St. Louis. I mean, Jake Allen, absolutely fantastic this year in his tandem with Jordan Bennington. So, um, I see a lot of similarities between the clubs, and it's why I'm really excited for tomorrow's game.
0: Yeah, well, let's touch in on a couple of those areas, Mike. Uh, the first one is the goaltending. Look, Robin Leonard, you know the the the, the reigning Vezina Trophy winner, uh, being traded for by the, by the Vegas Golden Knights, a lot of people kind of goff their head at that and like, boy, what are, you, what are they doing here? Like, you got Marc-Andre Fleury, you know, do you really need two guys? How are you going to mix that time? If you go back and look at the last couple of years of the Stanley Cup championships, those teams don't win the Stanley Cup without goaltenders, or without a goaltending tandem. I mean, with the Washington Capitals, Braden Holtby didn't start a couple of games in the first round, and then he was the one that jumped in towards the end. Even when the Pittsburgh Penguins were going on their runs with Marc-Andre Fleury, Matt, Murray was the one that was getting that opportunity. The Blues sense, yes, Bennington was the guy, but Jake Allen had to help the team get there. You have to have two goaltenders that can carry a load for you if you want a chance to win the Stanley Cup, and that's what Vegas has right now.
1: Yeah, and throughout the season, you know, you looked at the Gold Knights goaltending, and truthfully, Marc-Andre Fleury had a great start to the year, had some downtime in the middle. He battled some injuries. He, he had a really, really tough go this season. His father passed away. Uh, He started to really get back on track towards the end of the season. But, you know, head coach Pete DeBoer out here has said repeatedly, if we get to where we want to go, we're going to need two guys. And you see that play out throughout the league. You know, even if you only ride one hot goaltender, like the Blues did with Bennington last season, you you still need that insurance policy. And, you know, for the Golden Knights, they were trying to find a position of strength here to be able to have somebody alongside Marc-Andre Fleury that's one, going to be there and good enough to make it happen, but two, to push each other. You know, whoever's going, there's now a healthy competition there. And for as much as Malcolm Subban was, uh, was liked in the room and everybody rooted for him, it just didn't happen here. They all hope it does for him down the road somewhere else, but getting Robin Leonard solidifies the position. It provides it at just complete strength, uh, and it's a battle right now. You know, these two guys are, have been going toe-to-toe. Uh, at the end of the season, they rotated. They've rotated in exhibition games. Um, we don't know who the starter is going to be for game one, but whoever it is, I think the team's going to feel comfortable that they've got a really good chance at winning with that person.
0: Do you see both guys getting shots throughout these round-robin games, or are, do, are these points that that crucial to Vegas to where they're going to ride the guy that might be the one that's starting in game one? They
1: have, they have repeatedly said to Bohr and his staff that they're going to rotate uh, and that both guys will get the chance to play. Now, I don't know if the rotation is one game to one game. You know, I don't know uh, who is starting tomorrow. Uh, both Mark Andre Fleury and Robin Leonard have both started one game. I'd expect them both to play another. Yeah, uh, that's just me projecting from what I have heard from the staff. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I think both of them are going to get ample opportunity to show that they're going to be the guy when this when this play resumes. And but let's let's look at this objectively. I mean, this has been Mark Andre Fleury's team. He has been the heartbeat of this club since day one he's a folk hero in the city in Las Vegas. Um, I do think he has the inside edge of getting that opportunity to carry the team at first. Um, But you know, if Robin Leonard makes a case for himself that he needs to be the guy in there, it could happen too. So um, we'll see what happens with it. But, but again, it's, it just gives the players so much confidence in the locker room knowing that whoever's in the net is going to give a great chance.
0: Again, we're talking with Mike McKenna, St. Louis native, former NHL-AHL goaltender, now the studio studio analyst for the Las Vegas Golden Knights, and the Blues and Golden Knights in action tomorrow night. Uh, Mike, you mentioned the offense and you know players like Mark Stone, players like former Blues, Paul Stastny, Ryan Reeves, those are the ones that stand out, and I'm curious your opinion on those guys, but I do want to mention, you mentioned uh, you know picking up a couple of different players like a Nick cousins, um, to, to add depth to the roster. I'll tell you another one that really has interested me by Vegas. perspective has been Chandler Stevenson. I mean, this was the guy that they traded for. He won a Stanley cup with Washington, but he's also been a goal scorer for Vegas since they brought him in.
1: That's a great pickup. Uh, you know, they got him for a fifth round pick. It was early in the season. Um, ironically, he was traded to Vegas the same day that they were playing New Jersey devils. Um, John Hines got fired that day, and I can remember going into that uh, that broadcast and, and thinking, man, this is a big deal, Chandler Stevenson, you know, and, and we kind of had to pump it up a little bit, and, and I said, this is a guy who's won a Stanley Cup. He's been to a Calder Cup final in the American Hockey League previously. He scored a couple of really big goals for the Washington Capitals, and when I spoke to people within that organization, they all mentioned that Stevenson, big team player, underrated, Uh, he'd be a second-line player on a lot of teams in this league, but Washington's so deep. Well, that's what Vegas picked him up for, and it was fortuitous because when they first got him, he was playing fourth, third line, and as soon as injuries hit, he goes up, he plays the first line. He centers uh, between Max Pacioretty and Mark Stone for a while when William Carlson was out. Chandler Stephenson has nine goals with the Golden Knights so far this season, seven of which have been with Mark Stone on the ice. Now, Mark Stone's a great hockey player, but you also be able, have to be able to put yourself in position and finish. Uh, and we've seen that with Stevenson. Breakaway speed, he kills penalties, he can play center wing. He's been a great pickup for the Gold Knights.
0: Yeah, he really has, and it adds to the depth of this team. And, and, Mike, the one thing that sticks out about Vegas is the same thing that people talk about the St. Louis Blues, how deep they truly are. I mentioned Mark Stone, you know, William Carlson, but you got a fourth line that is one of the best fourth lines in the NHL playoffs right now with Ryan Reeves and the former blue uh carrier. I mean, they have so much depth in terms of scoring that they can make you pay no matter the line.
1: And the fourth line is something that shouldn't be underestimated for the Golden Knights, too. You know, they've Will Carrier's had a career season in terms of producing points uh and goals, which has been fantastic to see. It's been an added bonus for the Golden Knights because really you're expecting your fourth line to go out, do its job, hit, create momentum, four check. Uh, but there's been some scoring touch there, and largely it's been Tomas Nosek between Ryan Reeves and uh, Will Carrier lately. We've, we've expected to see Nick Cousins there at center, but uh, with Max ready out, he hasn't been there. So uh, Nosek has been back with them, but they do. They're a huge part of the club, and part of the reason is when you talk to players around the league, they all say you cannot let Ryan Reeves get under your skin. Mm-hmm. You can't not let him do his thing and run wild out there because he'll take you completely off your game. Every night, Every night, four to six hits from him. Carrier's got another three to five hits. And Pete DeBoer's been starting every game with the fourth line in order to try to gain momentum. He's doing it uh, start periods as well, and it's been very effective for Vegas.
0: What do you think the biggest strength of this team going into the first round of the playoffs is going to be, Mike?
1: Uh, diversity of attack. We talk about four lines. Uh, it's true. They've gotten goal scoring from all across the board, um, but but I think it really now has been their ability to to really skate, move, and, and and put other teams on their heels. You know they're cognizant that they want to play their game. They're not playing a defensive game. They're not counterpunching. You know they're the ones who want to control play. The Golden Knights know that they have a deep enough lineup that they can do that. They can roll off four lines, and if I'm playing against the Golden Knights, that scares me because no matter which which line you're facing against, they have a scoring threat on it. And what's interesting, though, again, like about a matchup between, like, the Blues and the Golden Knights, that, I again, I think they're similar teams in that way. Yeah. You're always looking for an X factor on your third or fourth line. you know. And for the Golden Knights, they've looked to Alex Tuck to do that. He's the person they think that can be a mismatch guy that outplays the other team's third line. I think about the St. Louis Blues, and that's Robert Tump you know, and, and what he's done there. And, and so you've got two teams again, that their first and second lines are so solidified and so good. I think it will really come down to the depth of each team and maybe which third line or fourth line can be better in that particular game. To carry them to a win.
0: I couldn't agree more. Mike McKenna, the studio analyst for the Las Vegas Golden Knights, former NHL-AHL goaltender. The St. Louis native is with us tonight here on Behind the Bench. Great perspective on the Vegas side. I'm curious on his thoughts on the St. Louis side, so we'll touch on that next here on 101 ESPN. Having a great conversation tonight with the St. Louis native, the former NHL-AHL goaltender, and the Vegas Golden Knights studio analyst, Mike McKenna. He's sitting in with us tonight here on Behind the Bench. Well, not Not really. He's out in Vegas getting set for the games tomorrow night, but he's kind enough to give us some time tonight. And, Mike, I want to dive into this matchup between the Blues and the Vegas Golden Knights and get your thoughts on St. Louis. But you mentioned something last segment about Ryan Reeves getting under the skin of the opponents and and how teams can't let that happen. If I remember correctly, those last two games that the Blues played, the Golden Knights, That did happen, and Vegas won both of those games. In the January game, you know, the Blues had that lead, and Vegas fought their way back and scored in overtime to beat St. Louis, but Ryan Reeves was the center of attention on that one because he and David Perron and Alex Petrangelo got into it in front of the net. That's what Ryan Reeves can be so good at, and I think St. Louis is is building up to kind of a rivalry with these teams because of that aspect.
1: That's what happens with good teams. And it happens with good teams that have players that can drive you crazy. You know, it's funny, like, we're, we've we been doing our prep work for tomorrow's game. And one of the things that we were going to highlight, you touched on it, was Ryan Reese driving David Perron hog wild out there. Yep. You know, he, he got to him. And what's really crazy about that is how they are former teammates. They know each other really well. Uh, I'm presuming that they're friends. But it, it shows the level of intensity once the puck drops. And just the ability of Ryan Reed, he plays on the edge. You always have to have your head up. He will hit you. He will hit you hard. Uh, that's not true for every fourth line in the NHL any longer. You know, they don't, not every team has that type of player uh, that you truly got to watch out for. And, you know, he doesn't do it with his mouth as much. It's purely with his actions. Uh, and really with the Golden Knights, if Nick Cousins on that line, he can run his mouth a mile a minute. He's, hmm. he's, he's got no leash. Um, but again, he, he's not expected to be on the fourth line, I would think, tomorrow evening. But um, it's a huge part to Vegas, what they do. They, they have the ability to, to not just get under the skin, but to truly get into the minds of the opponents, uh, Thinking more about that than the puck and the task at hand. And you look at that comeback victory, I believe, in January that the Golden Knights had against St. Louis, and it played a huge part. It got momentum for the team. It got David Perron and crew off their game. Um, and I've seen that happen with Vegas more than once this season, and all it can take sometimes is just one or two big hits, one big shift by that fourth line, and, and things turn around.
0: Yeah, I'll never forget the postgame press conference that David Perron had in the locker room because, of course, I made the mistake of playing all of it without listening to it ahead of time, and David Perron said, you know, I'm, I'm, we're just tired of Ryan Reeves's ish on the ice. So you could hear the frustration, and the main thing with St. Louis, Mike, and you know this from watching them in that Stanley Cup run last year – Teams don't didn't get under their skin. Like even Boston, you know, the 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 um the 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 frame that everyone remembers, Pat Maroon skating by the Boston Bruins bench by saying you guys are F like they were the ones that got under their opponent's skin. So this yeah. matchup is really intriguing to me because I think St. Louis and Vegas are going to be playing the exact same style of trying to get underneath everyone's skin.
1: Yeah, a lot of a lot of mental warfare going on. A part of it, too, and I, and I think about the run that the St. Louis Blues had last year, and something that I admired so much was how Craig Berube handled his team. You know, you, I remember that there was one instance where, I can't remember whether it was a bad call or, or what had happened, but he just said, yeah, that's it, move on, boys, what can we do? That's it, you know, and, and you can probably reference that. I believe it was um, it was a non-call or a call by the officials, and he just, it was water off the duck's back. And the way he handled it was was incredible, you know, because you could just tell that it didn't affect his team. And you've seen the opposite. You've seen teams go the other direction where they they moan, they pout, they they focus on what has happened rather than in the future. Um, And and that's probably, frankly, a learning point for any team during the course of the season. You look back at those moments and think, man, we can't let that happen again. We've got to be bigger. Uh, We've got to make sure we're mentally in control and and try to keep things even keel."
0: From the St. Louis side, Mike, and I know you don't cover the team on a daily basis, but I'm curious from the outside perspective, you know a lot of these players. You, of course, have been around some of these guys when they skate in St. Louis in the offseason. A lot of people aren't giving the Blues the benefit of the doubt going into the postseason here. They're talking of other teams. They talk about how it's not easy to go back-to-back with Stanley Cups. Are people underestimating the St. Louis Blues?
1: It sure doesn't feel like it out here. Maybe that's the talk in St. Louis, but I think around the league, there's a huge amount of respect for them as a team. Uh, I do think though that the exhibition game and the first round Robin game have given have given some, some real reason for concern though. I mean, I didn't think the blues were particularly sharp in the exhibition game. They didn't score. Uh, and then I didn't think that really for the first half, they showed up at all against Colorado and they had to rely on Jordan Bennington to, to keep them afloat which really isn't that different than last season, but um, it, it's it's tough to predict anything with this, and, and I don't play into the statistics of going back-to-back how difficult it is. I mean, if you do it, you do it, but um, I do think, though, there's going to be some urgency from the Blues. They've lost two games now in a row, coming back from the pause, and and I think that if you lose three in a row, you're really nervous. I think if the Blues come back and then they beat the Golden Knights the next game, you know, you, you've got a little bit of, a little bit of juice, you know, you can win. Um, It makes a difference, you know, and and I look at that from the Vegas standpoint, if they roll three games in a row coming from back from the pause, they've got one more game going into uh, the actual round of 16. It's powerful. You know, you want to be hot at the right time. You don't want to back into it. You can't just flip the switch. Like you've got to be playing good hockey, consistent hockey. Uh, And if you can string a few good games together before you get to that, uh, to the actual playoffs, That'd be a good thing to
0: have. Yeah, it would be a great thing to have. And I think the the biggest thing right now, people, Mike, Mike are talking about is the, is the offensive side of the game for St. Louis. You know, not being on the ice for four months and really not having the chemistry and for how the style of hockey that the Blues play is a difficult thing to get going. Uh, from an NHLer's perspective, how hard is it going to be for guys like that to just turn things back on after four months off, after playing these round-robin games and having these gaps, especially for St. Louis? That's not something that you can just turn right back on and get, and get after it again.
1: I'd be concerned because they've only scored a power play goal. That's it. I think 5-5. And there's been a huge amount of talk about the importance of special teams, 100%. I mean, there's been a lot of penalty calls. But you got to stay out of the box, too. That's part of it. And if you're playing nothing but special team hockey, who knows who's going to win the thing. You need to be able to dominate the game five on five uh, to take it to the opponent so you're not just relying on your special teams to make it happen. That's something Vegas has done very well. They scored four goals in the third period against the Dallas Stars the other night. I mean, Dallas had only lost one game in regulation this season after leading after two periods. uh, And this was the second time. It said a lot about how the Vegas Golden Knights were able to come back and make things happen, and a lot of it was done five-on-five. Five. Again, it was a big shift from their fourth line. Um, so I, I think that it's possible. There's no problem coming back and scoring, but finding your touch, finding your chemistry, it's something that the Golden Knights thought they had an advantage because everybody stayed in Vegas during the break and they all skated together for a month, whereas a lot of teams didn't do that. You know, They were all spread out, and they're still trying to find their chemistry.
0: Vladimir Tarasenko, a player that really hasn't played in, I guess, nine months right now when you look at it. October was the last time that he was on the ice before he returned to play with the Blues in the NHL uh, out in Edmonton. How much of an effect can that have, Mike? Because you've seen NHL players before who are out long term with injuries and return to play. That's not something that they can just pick back up. But in Vladimir Tarasenko's sense, he's a goal scorer. And that also just doesn't go away.
1: Yeah, you, and you need him. That's a player that the Blues, they've got to have him as an attack player. <laughs> He's not going to be a third-line or fourth-line mucker and grinder. He is a pure goal scorer. I mean, I, look at their power play. David Braun's playing in his spot right now because Braun has been so good in that position that you don't want to move him from it. Right. Um, so if, for the Blues, of course, I'm sure they want to have Tarasenko optimally as the as the second option on the second power play to be the trigger man. For a goalie, an ex-goalie like me, he was terrifying when he had the puck on his stick and he was winding it up, Hmm. skating down the slot on the off wing, and nobody shoots the puck from the wrist shot perspective as well as he does in the league, but with a shoulder injury, you worry about it, so it's been a long time for him, I'm sure he's trying to build up to it, but you know what, man, it's the playoffs, like, building up's one thing, sometimes you just gotta go for it, and I mean, if your shoulder's there, it's there, if it's not, it's not, but... There's there's a lot on the line here, and and a lot of it just comes down to the mental side of of getting over the mental hump of being out of hockey for that long, and just flipping yourself right back into competitive mode and making it
0: happen. Well, and sometimes there's just certain guys that just know how to elevate their game, when to elevate their game, and Tarasenko seems like that kind of guy, doesn't he?
1: Yeah, uh, and he is he's a big deterrent. You know, everybody in the league knows that he is the big shot guy, and what comes with that territory too is that it creates space on the ice for your teammates. Matt Pacioretty is really similar. He's got a, a great wrist shot that it creates opportunities for his teammates. So, you know, even if Tarasenko maybe isn't scoring at the same pace as he has before, at least he's going to be a deterrent. So you want him to have that puck on the stick and still be able to distribute it and still be an effective player in that regard. You know, you point to you point. You, right. know, if you need goals. Goals are at a premium. But ultimately, if somebody's producing and being able to contribute, It all pays off in the long run.
0: One more, Mike, before we uh, let you go. And we are so happy that you took some time out to hop on with us this evening. Goaltending-wise for the Blues. We saw Jordan Bennington at his best against the Colorado Avalanche. Kept the Blues in that game all the way to the final tenth of a second that Nazem Kadri uh, scored that game-winning goal. From the goaltender's perspective, how – I don't want to say how impossible because I know it's not impossible. What's the difficulty of Jordan Bennington repeating what he did last year, this year?
1: That's pretty special run. And I, I don't know if coming in and putting the numbers up that he did for that long, it can really be repeated because it was just such a unique circumstance to come flying in from San Antonio, give your team all the confidence, ride that wave. And you look at his raw numbers on the season, they look like they're down a little bit. Well, when you look at the underlying numbers, though, you find out that Jordan Bennington's one of the best goalies in the league at shrugging off a goal again. You know, very rarely does he allow two in consequential order uh, consecutively. There's usually time between them. He bounces back very quickly. He's very consistent. Remember, he's only been pulled what twice in his career, I believe, maybe three times. That's that gives your teammates a lot of confidence. And you know, is he going to be able to absolutely steal games like he did previously? You know, there's more of a book on him. Players know what to expect on the opposing club. But from what I've seen this season, I, I don't see any reason to think that he's not able to lead a team to a Stanley Cup again. Um, and he, he's, there's been growing pains for sure. And I think the Blues were probably happy to have Jake Allen at times this year to, to one, bolster the team, but also help take some pressure off of, of Bennington. And, you know, Jake was excellent this year. So um, it's a position of strength for the Blues, as much as the team I cover,
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's that. You know, we spent that time last segment talking about Flurry and Leonard. That's something that I'd be really curious about from the Blues' angle in this one, which I I would imagine we'll see. I don't think this is just going to be a one goaltender playoff push. This is going to be a dual opportunity for both guys. And you know, Jay Callen did play outstanding in the final stretch last or before the season was put on hold. So that's a guy that could be seen much time. Just like Flurry and Leonard are going to split it.
1: I'd be surprised if he didn't get a game in the round robin. I know there's only a couple left. But that is the benefit of finishing high and having one of the buys is that you can give your goaltenders some time during that round robin to, to, to get active again. You don't want to have somebody come into the game, whether it's because one goalie plays poorly or somebody gets injured. You don't want your secondary goaltender to come out there right. without any game experience coming off a four-month pause. You don't want that. So, I mean, I know Jake got a little bit of time in the exhibition game, if I'm not uh, mistaken, mm-hmm. but but I, I think it'd be, I would almost be surprised if he didn't get one of these games just to, to one, get him some reps and, and the two, just prepare everybody for it. And, uh, and again, give yourself that dual threat and, go, and goal that the teammates know whoever's in there is ready to go.
0: Well, we are looking forward to this one tomorrow night. It's round robin game number two for both teams, Blues Golden Knights. It's a 5.30 puck drop here in St. Louis. I'll have your pregame show starting at 4.30. Mike McKenna, of course, on the Vegas side is going to be broadcasting that one. He's the studio analyst for the Vegas Golden Knights. Mike, thank you so much for taking some time out tonight and joining us. It's great to catch up with you, man. Uh, I hope you stay safe and healthy out in Vegas throughout all of this. And uh, best wishes to the family as well.
1: Thanks, Alex. My pleasure. Anytime, man. Uh, It's going to be good. I think this game might really tell us a lot about both teams and and how they'll perform. So thanks for having me on.
0: No, honestly, Mike, thank you. It was a pleasure to talk with you tonight. Again, that's Mike McKenna, uh, former NHL, AHL goaltender, of course, St. Louis native, and he covers the Vegas Golden Knights. He's the studio analyst for that team. And that is going to wrap it up for us tonight here on the Boardwalk Hardwood Floors Behind the Bench Show. Plenty of things to get into with uh, with Mike McKenna. It's been a fun show tonight. I do want to remind you, though, about the Boardwalk Hardwood Floors. The home show sale is going on now at Boardwalk Hardwood Floors. Update your home with savings on all types of flooring including solid reclaimed wide plank and more visit one of the showrooms in Crestwood Manchester St. Peter's or online at boardwalkhardwood.com boardwalk hardwood floors great floors for every home with better selection better value and the best service that is going to do it for us tonight a big thank you to Mike Ryder for all of his help putting all of this together once again a huge thank you to Mike McKenna for hopping on with us tonight as well the Blues will be back at it tomorrow night it is a 530 puck drop against the Vegas Golden Knights Vegas sits with two points right now in round robin action Colorado has two points in round robin action Colorado and Dallas play tonight their second game of round robin action and then of course 530 puck drop tomorrow I will have your first community credit union pregame show starting at 430 here on 101 ESPN the BMW of West St. Louis Louis pregame skate starts at five on our flagship or on our network broadcast, also here on 101 ESPN. And then of course Curbs and Joey with Puck Drop at 530. Have a great rest of your night. We'll talk to you tomorrow for more blues hockey right here on your home for the blues 101 ESPN.